welcome back to the Pin for Pin podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Atkinson, and today we are here with Coach Lemke of Stephen F. Austin University. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, I'll start off with the question I always ask. How did you get started in the sport of bowling? Um, my story is probably pretty similar to most people that are involved in bowling. It's definitely family-rooted um, for us. I have um, two younger siblings. Um, we bowled. My dad and, and mom were bowlers. Uh, you know, as, as junior bowlers, we bowled league on Saturday mornings at our local <clears throat> um, bowling center. And um, my grandparents were always there to watch. High school bowling uh, started when I was in high school. I'm originally from Wisconsin, so um, that got big while I was in high school, and um, it kind of took off from there. The fun thing about it is that my husband um, and I met at the bowling center that my parents now own in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's where we first met. Uh, We were high school sweethearts, and we've been together since the age of 16. Um, And so all of our kind of roots are set down in bowling. Um, my, my parents currently own and operate a 24 lane center in Kenosha, Wisconsin now. Um, and, uh, my brothers both work there. My dad actually just recently retired from his full-time job and now works at the bowling center, um, helping out as well in his retirement stage. Wow. That's super cool. Though, when you talked about bowling in high school and everything that happened in high school, was that when you thought that hey maybe I can I really want to give this a go and have a chance to do this at a higher level yeah so in high school um, at the time we didn't have a dedicated um, girls high school bowling team so we had to bowl with the guys Um, so I definitely wouldn't tell you that I was the star of the high school bowling team um, because we definitely bowled with um, some pretty good guys back then Uh, when I decided that I was going to go to college I actually um uh, Kenosha is in the same town as Carthage College, which currently has an NCAA Division Three bowling team. At the time that I went to college, they did not have a bowling program there. I had decided that I was going there for academics. I had always known that I wanted to get an education degree. No, it wasn't super far from my house. Um, I thought that's what I was def- destined to do and go. And I started uh, kind of branching out and maybe thinking I wanted to go a little bit farther from home. So I took a tour of UW-Madison. I took a tour of UW-Whitewater and instantly fell in love with Whitewater. Um, and I ended up going to Whitewater for, ed- for my education. And when I got there, um, my roommate at the time was not someone I knew from high school or anybody that I knew, period. It was just a random roommate. We went to one of the you know open house for freshmen to see what's available on campus. And I learned there that there was a bowling program on campus. Um, and I, so I started at Whitewater. This was in 2002. Um, I joined the bowling program. That was the very first year that NCAA bowling kind of began. And so um, I kind of walked into something that I didn't necessarily plan on. Um, and my love of, you know, of college bowling kind of took off from there. I was lucky enough um, to compete as part of the Whitewater team for the four years that I went to school there. I graduated with a degree in uh early education, you know, education program one to nine, basically, from Whitewater, I did student teaching, I got a teaching job right after my student teaching, I taught for roughly four or five months. Um, And at the time, my current college coach at Whitewater had resigned, Um, I interviewed at Whitewater that summer and was offered the position right then and there, um, and started my college coaching career then. So, um, you know, a lot of it obviously dates back to my family, but 
I don't want to say I fell into college bowling on accident, but you know, back when I was going to college, it, it wasn't something that I really had on my mind until I started getting involved with it and then decided that it was something that I didn't want to ever not do. And you say you got into coaching. Well, what kind of things were most difficult for you early on as a starting coach? Yeah, so I started coaching at a, at a pretty young age, um, literally right out of college. I think the most challenging thing for the first couple of years was that I was I had people on the team that I was coaching that I was teammates with um, at you know previously because right. my first year coaching you know there were ladies on the team that were my teammates the previous year so I think that was definitely a challenge you know trying to kind of find my way. Um, at the time I was very part-time and so I actually worked a full-time job on top of it and I um, was going to school to get my master's. So just trying to figure out the time management part. We also had a quite a large roster at Whitewater. I'm pretty confident I had 23 my my first year coaching. Um, And so just, you know, transitioning from being a player to them being a coach and trying to figure out how to set those boundaries um, you know, because there are people on the team that were my teammates and, and how to set my time aside so I had enough time to do everything. I think that the big thing, you know, I, I got into to coaching because I love it. I think that it's very much related to teaching. Um, you know, I, I can tell you one thing I always envisioned myself as being a teacher, and I still think I get to do that every day, just at, in a different environment. Um, and so, you know, my goal when I was there is, you know, I told them we wanted you know, we wanted to get better. We wanted to compete at the highest level that we could. And, and bowling, that's a little bit more difficult just because we have separate divisions, which means separate rules, but you all compete under one umbrella. So, you know, just learning that, um, learning, learning what my, you know, my team needed from me as a young coach and how to get those things out of them when some of them had been on as teammates before, definitely a challenge in the early years. And you say you loved coaching and you coached at the school you graduated from. Well, how did you end up at Stephen F. Austin? So at the time that I was at Whitewater, I served on the NCA um, committee for bowling. And um, I was the chair of the committee for a few years in between there. And th- as, so I kind of took it upon myself that as new programs started, um, you know, the coaches would reach out to the people on, on the NCA board. And so um we kind of were in the know about the programs that were coming up and, you know, being of any assistance to the new coaches coming in as far as what papers they had to fill out or, you know, how, how to start the program, um, that type of thing. And at the time there was another coach here that was young, had reached out. Um, We had seen them at various events and things like that. And, you know, always trying to, to help new coaches and make sure that, you know, they have the, they're getting the best help where they can. I think that bowling is a little bit of a unique sport. So sometimes when you're taking a bowling coach job, it's a little bit different than taking a basketball job. Um, there's a lot of things that even administration sometimes overlook just because it's not something they do every day. And so we kind of took that on to make sure that new coaches felt welcome and, um, you know, they, they really could get the information that they needed um, from the committee. And so by doing that, I built relationships with a lot of a lot of different coaches across the country. And um, the woman that was here before me, her name was Laura. She and I had built a relationship. And, um, you know, Stephen F. Austin started the bowling program. As you, I'm sure you're well aware, a lot of Title IX, you know, that's the reason that bowling exists is because of Title IX. Um, and they were kind of in the same boat. They wanted to open up opportunities for women in sports. And they felt that bowling had a great opportunity. Sam Houston had just started a program before that. 
there were other programs adding in this area. And so they looked into it. And so they made that decision to do that and hired um, somebody that had gone to school here previously. And so she, you know, had reached out for extra help when she had decided that this was not what she wanted to do for forever. She had reached out to me and, um, you know, asked if it was something I'd be interested in. And I said, of course. And, and then lo and behold, I get a phone call. I don't know, maybe two or three months after we had this conversation with her and her telling me, you know, I've, I've put in my resignation and I've given them your name. You're, you're going to be contacted. If you're interested, you know, I would send over a resume. And I said, okay, great. Um, at that time, my husband and I had just gotten married. Um, you know, we had, we did not have children. We loved Whitewater with everything we had, but we knew that with it being a part-time position um, and my husband was a volunteer assistant at the time that in order to do this full-time and do it to our fullest, we needed to be somewhere that we could be full-time and only worry, worry about bowling and, um, you know, really focus on the program. And we felt in order to do that, we needed to ex explore options. And so um, I can tell you that I, I flew from junior gold championships, which are obviously a big junior event. In the summer, they flew me from there into Nacogdoches. Um, and I instantly fell in love. I, I drove from the airport and got into town and um, there were a lot of similarities between Stephen F. Austin and Whitewater, um, even down to the color of the school. Um, I came from a purple school. We're at a purple school. A lot of the enrollment size was very similar. The town, you know, felt very similar to me. A lot of the same even majors at the school. Um, you know, I, they showed me around campus and I instantly felt like this is somewhere that I could, that I could be, that I could live. Ultimately, um, you know, I was here for, I think two days and then went home. And I remember calling my husband that night and saying like, I think, you know, I think that we could do this. Um, the scary part for us was that both my family and his family live in Wisconsin. So we were moving very far away from everything we've ever known, um, to do, you know, to take an opportunity like that. And, um, they gave me some time after the fact to, to decide um, based on the conversation that I had been having with my husband, we had kind of, you know, said like, if I like it and we think that we could do this here, you know, let's, let's explore options. Let's have a talk about it. But if I felt comfortable, you know, we'll take a leap of faith and, and do it because this is something we always dreamed about doing. Um, and so, yeah. And so that's what happened. I took the position at the, end of July, middle end of July. And within two weeks, I was moved to Texas. So it was a whirlwind of, of fast pace. Um, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of time to think about it as far as, you know, when I made the decision to go, I think the hardest part was leaving our kids at Whitewater, even though we knew that we were leaving for a great opportunity, it was still hard to walk away um, from the program that we had been building there for four years. And so, you know, that obviously weighed heavy on our mind. And then obviously being, you know, a thousand miles away from our family, um, took a little bit of adjustment. And then you talked about being there and getting the job in late June and then moving there in July. Well, how did recruiting go that first year? Because that's almost to August, September when enrollment's about to start. Yeah. So when I took the, took, when I took the job, which was like the middle to end of the July, they, thankfully had been competing for two seasons already. So th there was a team in place when, when we got here. Um, the, the coach before me did an excellent job with recruiting and we walked into a really awesome group our first year. We were very lucky. We were very lucky that we had the group that we had when we first walked in here. Well, that's really nice. And talk about, since it's a coaching transition, how you're 
how you built a culture those first couple of years and ultimately went to the NCAA runner-up after having a couple of years under your belt? Yeah, I think when I when I took the position here, you know, I said, I think it it takes time to to build on those things. And like I said, we were super lucky with the group that we had when we got here. We the very first year we were here, we actually finished third at the United States Bowling Congress Intercollegiate Team Championships um, with the team that we had, um, because we're we're a team that actually competes NCA, but we also compete in the USBC round too um, with postseason. And so that first year we finished third and that was a huge accomplishment for them, I think that, you know, we, you have to be intentional about the culture that you're building. We came in and we set our expectations, you know, for our ladies that were here. And as we were recruiting, you know, more and more, you know, you, you kind of find your way through, um, you know, who fits into your program, who doesn't. I always tell people it's, it's not, it's not personal when I, when you find someone and if you bring someone on a visit, it's just not a good fit. That's okay. You know, everyone, that's the point of recruiting. Everyone kind of has a place they belong. Everyone looks for different things. Everyone has different things that they like to see. Um, and we totally understand that. And so, um, you know, we just kind of did, you know, recruited with the people that we were comfortable with, what we were looking for. A lot of people I think in bowling think, you know, oh, I have to average this super high number and, and I have to do all these, th- these things to, to get noticed. And I don't necessarily think that's, think that's hundred percent true on our end. We're looking for, you know, are you a good teammate? Are you competitive? Do you go to class? Do you have good grades? A lot of the questions that I ask um, when I'm recruiting, when I first meet someone, don't even have anything to do with bowling. Um, I think that, you know, obviously we're looking at somebody because we know that they have talent, but a lot of those other questions tell us the character of who they are and, and will they be beneficial to the team? Um, you know, it, it took, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to add on like, that's so true. Like a lot of these coaches, that I've interviewed over the time and then talking with them on my recruiting journey, it's not really how well you can bowl if you can't go to class, if you can't pass your class, if you're not doing the right things. So I would say you're in good company. Yeah, I think that, you know, for me, ultimately, this is college bowling. So um, you have to go to college to be able to bowl. And so you have to know that, you know, that's something that you want to do. We take pride in here that we have, you know, we've had the highest GPA on campus for several semesters. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, for me, the work ethic that they put in the classroom translates to the work ethic that they give us on a daily basis. Um, and so that's important for us to, to convey that and, and make sure, and ultimately bowling is a bonus. Any sport is going to be a bonus. There are very few people that go on and, you know, make millions of dollars in professional athletes. Your goal when you come here is to leave here with a degree. That is why you're coming to college. And so we make that a precedent. You know, I had last last season, we graduated four seniors. Um, and with COVID, they could have stayed if they chose to. But the problem is, is that we preach, you know, we want you to come here and we want you to get an education and bowling is the bonus for you. Um, and so none of them stayed because they all had plans after, you know, after graduation and after, you know, we had one that went on to vet school and, you know, one that had already had a job lined up and one that, you know, another one going to grad school, we had all these things like that they were working parts already that we didn't feel that it was the right thing for us to preach. We want you to stay when we are big proponents of you're here to go to school and bowling is the extra part. Well, I can totally understand that. And you talked about building a program and then graduating seniors and then going back to that 
2014-15 season, you get a runner-up finish to Nebraska. Now, for the most part, a second-place finish, like people would say that's pretty good, but it also is kind of a double-edged sword because you had success to get to that point, but then at the last moment, you didn't achieve the goal you set out to achieve. So talk about either the events leading up to that or that time entirely. Yeah, so I kind of brief, briefly spoke about the girls that were here when we got here. The year before that, um, we had been so close the previous years of breaking into that top eight and getting to the NCAA championship. And the year before that, we graduated a majority of the kids that we walked into the program with that were here when we got here. Um, and we also lost someone else on our roster. So we came in to the 14-15 the season with, I believe, and I believe we had three returning players only, maybe four. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look at my list. And so, you know, we had, we had recruited several freshmen coming in. So I think that on paper, if you looked at what our 14-15 season was going to look like, people would have thought they lost all these kids. You know, a couple of them were all Americans. They're not going to be very good. Um, and 14-15 is the year that Stephanie Schwartz came in. Um, and she was, you know, she was a wonderful player for us for all four years that she was here. But I really think that the girls that we brought in and the girls that were still returning on the team had drive. They knew how close we were the, the year before and how much they really wanted to break through. And, you know, we had an unbelievable season. And so, yeah, it's disappointing at the end of the year to finish second. But at the same token, it was our first trip to a national championship with the NCAA. Um, like I had spoke about before with the USBC Intercollegiate Team Championships, we have qualified for that event every year we've been at SFA. Um, and actually every three of the four years we were at Whitewater. So our student athletes had postseason experience going into the NCAA championship before they even made it there. So even though we were an underdog that had never been there, we had been experiencing that for the, the, you know, the past several years. And they were ready to go when it mattered. And we kind of went in with an attitude of we have nothing to lose. Um, we've never been here before. We're going to make the most of, you know, of, of, what, of what we're given in front of us. And at the time, our hashtag motto was make it count because you never know, you know, when you're going to get an opportunity or when you're not. And so we're going to take advantage of every opportunity that we can. And that's what that season was all about for us, was taking advantage of opportunities, you know, that, that were in front of us and not worrying about what comes next or what came before that. We were only worried about what was going on in those moments. And like you were saying, you're basically playing on house money since the first time you guys went to the postseason in the NCAA portion, even though you had been in the USBC portion, and then falling short. It only made it much sweeter when the next year you win the NCAA championships, but not only win it, win it against Nebraska, who beat you the year before. So talk about that year in its entirety and that NCAA championship match. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the following year after that, we were riding a high still from, from our season before that and, on, and building upon all the accomplishments that we had made then and still things that we wanted to achieve and wanted to, to do after that. Um, and I, you know, I've been involved in NCAA bowling for quite a long time. And I think that, Looking back on the 14-15 season, people probably thought we outperformed where we should have been based on, like I said, we had three or four returning kids and so many new players and that kind of thing. Um, but then I think that they understood 
you know, the next season, like this, you know, it took us a while to build to this point, to get to that point, but that we weren't going any, anywhere anytime fast. And so to be able to perform as we did, you know, on the national stage for the second year in a row um, was huge for, you know, for confidence building for our roster and, and just knowing that, you know, all of this work that they're putting in and all of the things that we keep preaching and, you know, all of the togetherness as a team, that that stuff pays off. It's just a process. It's all a process of how you get there. Um, and so I think that that really showed people that the year before wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like, a, oh, you know, this is their first time, you know, beginner's luck kind of thing because um, it was our first year at the championship. And, you know, they put everything they had into that match. We both years, both of those years in qualifying, the girls did so well um, throughout the whole time. And so I really think that when you get off to a good start, you know, it, it builds confidence going into it. And not to mention our, our schedule during the season puts us in competition with these same teams every weekend. Um, and so being in that environment, even though it's the national championship, to us, it was, you know, we're playing Nebraska. We've played them seven times during the year. We want to beat them every time. And we made sure to, to make the focus on just because this is the national championship doesn't mean it's more important than the last one, even though in theory it is. But in our world, it can't be because there's not any extra pressure, you know, now than there wasn't before. When we, you know, lace up our shoes and get on the lanes, our goal is to, to beat the other team all the time, not just when we need to beat them. And so I think that that mindset of, you know, we've been here before, especially that second year, we've done this before, we know what to expect, um, really helped us when, when they do the TV walkthrough in the beginning, when you bring your team out, like, you know, the morning before, and they're like, how many people have been on TV before? I would tell you that 90% of the Nebraska team had raised their hand the first year and none of our girls did. And so the second year, when people could raise their hand and been like, we've been here before, we've done this. I honestly think that the experience of doing it helped us be successful, you know, the second time around. And as everything was bowling, I think that, you know, sometimes you can, you can have your best game of your life, but it's just not enough. There are some things that have to go your way in order for that to happen. Um, and there is, you know, there is definitely luck involved. And when things are just going your way, things are going your way. And that's how it is. I feel like that's how it was that second year. And I feel like for your program, like looking at all the stats and things happening around it, like that was the exclamation point to put on your program because it was what put you into this stratosphere of these teams that for now and forever will be looked at as contenders and winners of the national title. Yeah, I always, I think I forget how, you know, how um, prestigious that is, because if you look back to the, you know, the people that have won USBC team intercollegiate championships or won the NCAA team championships, there aren't a ton, you know, it's, it's a very select group of people. And so to be amongst that, um, you know, knowing all the hard work that our student athletes put in to get there, and they're going to have that feeling for forever is pretty cool to know as a coach that, you know, we get to experience that, but they got to experience that as well. Um, and that it's something that even now we talk about when you look back on the, you know, on the show, when we watch it on YouTube or something like those feelings that you're feeling in that moment when you're watching the show, they still happen, even though it's years later. Um, and I, I always tell my husband, I can remember like little details about things that at the time didn't seem significant. But when you're looking back and thinking like, I remember exactly in this moment what this conversation was, or I remember exactly in this moment what happened, you know, behind the scenes that you're not seeing, 
like those things are forever ingrained in in your memory um the 2016 team that won the championship have gotten together on several occasions after that for people's weddings and i think that's the coolest thing ever because you know here we are four five six years you know down the road and those girls still have that memory together and still even though they live all over the country um you know still get together when it's called upon you know and and they still have that family atmosphere that we think is so important here um and i think that that's kind of the fun thing for us to look back on that championship and know that those girls are still close with each other they still converse with each other and there's that moment that kind of connects all of them at the end of the day and that's super important especially when you look ahead to when you guys won it in 2019 because if, when you win it in 2016 let's say there's freshmen on the team but then when you win it on 2019 you got juniors seniors and so talk about the time in between and then how it was facing off against the defending champs of of Vanderbilt yeah so when we won in in 2019 um, we had two people on the team that were freshmen on the team in 2016 and they were seniors in 2019 Um, you know we did not start out in in 2018-19 season with a great fall Um, we are a team that heavily relies on team communication and team togetherness and and all of those things and i think that every year the process of getting through that takes a while so our fall has never been a super strong point for us um you know we've tried a different different things to like kind of get things going early but i honestly think that we're just a team that just needs that that connection and that togetherness in order for all of the talent to to burst out um and so my seniors at the time that were freshmen on our championship team in 16 um, sat, I, I, they had a team meeting at the end of our semester and was like, you know, we don't want to go out like this. This is, you know, like we know what it's like to be at a national championship level and we want to get back there. And, you know, we got to do everything we can to make that happen and make sure that we're in this as a team. And we saw a big turnaround in the, in the spring then of 2019. Um, and I mean, they, they played phenomenal for an extended period of time we got to the championships and they were like a whole nother animal. Like as a team, no one was going to stop them. They were literally bulldozing people that we had not beat all year long. They were not going to allow them, you know, allow the team to be beaten. Um, I had a coach say to me after that championship, um, you know, based on the interviews that your players were doing, we knew you were going to win. And I was like, what? Like, uh, what do you mean? And so I went back and I listened Um, to those interviews because obviously we're part of them again we try and live in the moment and that kind of thing Um, and so I went back and listened and you know it was very clear to me that that team you know it didn't they didn't care who was getting the credit for it they didn't care who was the one throwing the ball they were they were behind each other 100% the entire time and I think that you know from from shot one of that tournament until we won on on TV um, it, it was very evident the whole time I would tell you that, you know, with our, with our team, because it's kind of the same thing, you know, even though Vanderbilt had won the previous year, we had bowled Vanderbilt a whole bunch during the year. And so um, I don't, I don't think that we go in intimidated. You know, we tell our kids like you're, you're, anyone is capable of beating each other when you're on your game, when you're, when you're competing as a team, when you're in it to win it all the time together, anyone can, anyone can win. Um, and so I don't, there was no intimidation factor for us at all. We were just focusing on 
what we could do, what we could control, you know, and what, what we had control over. Um, the kind of cool thing from that tournament is both every year we've been at the tournament, you know, I, we like to switch our lineup a ton. Um, we have people that play more than others, but at the same token, we believe that everyone needs to be ready and everyone needs to be able to contribute um, when they're called upon. And so, you know, we, um, we really use different lineups the entire tournament trying to figure out, you know, who had the best look and who was ready and who was not. And there's obviously nerves in, involved in that. And so, you know, we really felt that getting on the, on the television show, we were ready to go. We made a sub early on the show uh, just to, you know, we had, we're not afraid to take people in and out as we see fit and as people show nerves and, you know, other people need help. And we had someone come in um, that had played a lot for us that, that year, just not necessarily, we didn't think she was ready on the show and literally came in and struck almost every shot. Um, the MVP of the 2019 bowling championships, Paige Beanie, as a freshman played maybe 50% of the time. So the fact that, um, you know, there's so much improvement and so much work ethic behind these, these student athletes and where they get to, it's kind of a fun story to tell because I think that a lot of people get discouraged when they're coming into college bowling. You know, I think we tell our kids all the time, you're coming from the best of the best. You, you were the best on your high school team. Now you're entering the best of the best of everyone here. And so it can be discouraging for some of them when they don't play as much as they would want to when they get here. Um, and we try and tell them, you know, it's not about you individually. We want you to get better. We want you to show improvement. We want to work with you on these things. But sometimes you have to sacrifice that for the betterment of the team and see what your role is in those moments and see where you can get better. And so to kind of have her be the MVP after not playing in the championship in 2016 on TV, um, you know, kind of, brings our team full circle it shows you know when you put work in good things come out at the end yeah i think it's a big you know it's a big uh proponent here of college college bowling in general as you know understanding that you know there there is always room for improvement but also know what you're good at know what your your strengths are and what you can what you can give to the team and it doesn't always have to be bowling related you know it can be you know standing in the back if you're the best cheerleader that's great for that day. That may work. You know, we we've had it where we've had someone go like lights out on one day. And then the next day you're like, Whoa, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but that's okay. That's why you have, you know, eight people on a roster. That's why you have your teammates to back you up. No one's blaming you for that. No one is telling you that you're a bad person. No one is, you know, it, it's okay. That's what we're here for. We're here to help you and to help you through those things. And I think that when you have a team that can, that sees the big picture and sees that where they can give, you know, where you can take, where you can give, what you can give to the team in different moments. That's when your team really starts kind of firing on all cylinders. And I agree with that completely. And we talked kind of about the future with recruiting. And then we obviously talked about your long history of winning. So let's talk about the present. How has your team been doing this season? They're ranked 30th in USBC. And so they're obviously doing pretty well. Yeah, we, we've been ranked, um, you know, within the top 10 NCAAs. Um, and that's an awesome, you know, accomplishment for us. Um, you know, being ranked 30 in the USBC points is, is probably one of the higher rankings we've ever had there. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that we don't participate in tier one events. Um, you know, typically in the USBC rankings, we're ranked like in the mid 40s, even lower 40s. 
Um, and so, you know, we've had a really, we had a decent fall. We've had a really good spring. Um, we had in the spring so far, we finished in the top four after two days of qualifying for NCAA events at every event we've been in and been in the hunt for, for a champion, you know, for a championship at every event so far. So I think that, you know, as the season has progressed, we've just gotten better and better, um, which I think, you know, ultimately, obviously you're working towards March and April, just like other sports, you know, you're working towards your championship time. Our championship time is March and April. And so we're seeing, um, you know, I, what we call connecting the dots when, when you get here and you're working on things with people, there's a lot on their plate. There's a lot of things that they're trying to focus on, you know, at the one time. And once things start clicking together, all of a sudden other things start falling in place. And I feel like, you know, we've been performing pretty at a high level, especially the, in these last few weeks in the spring. Um, like I had mentioned before, we try and keep our schedule competitive as we possibly can, because I think surrounding yourself with teams that are good only make you better. Um, there's definitely going to be moments that are frustrating because you're going to, you know, take some losses and vice versa, take some big wins, but you have to use those to make you better, your team better in the long run. And where can we learn from the mistakes that we're making and where can we build on those big wins to, you know, to push us more and more to keep working hard. That is a very good way of looking at it. And I see that as rankings can only tell you so much, but by the sound of your voice, I feel like you have, are just making this push for each tournament mattering, but then also recognizing like, hey, there's a goal and beginning with the end in mind. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of it, obviously with COVID in the air the last couple of years, it has is, it is made things challenging. Um, this year we came into our season and we have three returning players on our roster that have been with us for longer than six months. Everyone else on our roster has only been at SFA for six months. Um, we brought in three freshmen and three transfers. So we were lucky enough that the three transfers had college bowling experience before they got here, but not underneath, not at SFA and not with our coaching. Um, and, and obviously not under our team. And like I said, we, we are a team that I feel like really thrives in the, in the team environment of you know, communicating and all those things. And so you can see where that it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and when you have a, six people on your roster that have only been at this university for six months, you know, there's going to be some growing pains and there's going to be some, uh, you know, some things along the way that we have to learn about each other. And I think that our growth has been shown from the fall to the spring because we're figuring out how to communicate better with each other. And you know, more and more about each other's teammates and more and more about how we can help in different situations. And, and all those things are a huge factor in the bowling center, even though it has nothing to physically do with bowling. Those are all very important and truthful points. But not to take up any more of your time, there's a bunch of people listening to this podcast out there. Why should a young lady come to Stephen F. Austin? I think, you know, everyone kind of finds their home, finds their place in the world uh, where they want to be. I think that it's important that you look at what you want out of the experience and figure out, does it fit you? You know, everyone has something different they want out of their college bowling experience and there's nothing wrong with that. But looking, looking forward as to what do you want out of it? You know, what size school do you want? Stephen F. Austin is a, is a division one school. Um, you know, but we're much smaller scale school than most division one schools. So 
Um, I feel like we appeal to a lot of kids that want to go to a division one school, but don't want to take 30 minutes to walk to class. Um, you know, they want to be part of a small community. The town that we're in is roughly 35,000 people. It's not super big. And so, you know, you have to, you have to want those things for yourself, um, when looking for a school. And I think that this school produces unique opportunities because of what we have here, the environment that the school is in. And then obviously that our athletics um, as a whole are, you know, are pretty good in the division one world. We have our basketball teams and our, and our soccer teams and our volleyball teams. And, you know, most recently our football team that are all vying for NCAA playoff opportunities and NCAA championship, you know, opportunities to get there. And I think that that speaks volumes for an athletic department. The other cool thing is that our school understands that you're an athlete and you are, you are important whether you are a football player or you are a bowler um you know it is an athlete is an athlete and they make sure that you understand that as an athlete it does not matter what sport you do you know it is they are important and that's one of the things that i've been hearing from a lot of coaches which is really really nice that because you obviously have heard and seen some programs of bowling that aren't really treated as athletic programs like maybe they're just part-time or things aren't really as an athletic program should be, but I'm just really excited that there are programs like yours who are respected by their athletic departments. Yeah. I mean, we have a full team of people here that, you know, I, thankfully I bowling coach is my only position here. I have to worry about coaching bowling. Um, My husband who is my assistant is part-time, but he also teaches bowling classes on campus. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of have ties into that, but then on top of that, there's so many extra people that want to help you. We have our own set of academic advisors here within athletics that help with that. We have a sports psychologist. Um, we have in, in our weight or strength training, you know, that we have assigned a trainer that is for our program. So like, you're not, you're getting specialized, you know, we have a, a trainer as far as like in athletic training, if there's injuries or you need rehab, like we have a person we go to for that. There's so many resources available uh, that it really makes it hard to, to have, you know, have an, a bad experience because you have so many people surrounding you that are here to help. Well, you heard it here. This is all the great things that can happen at Stephen F. Austin, and they're going to continue to do great things. But that's all we have for this episode, so I'll leave you all with this. The levels of success are good, better, best. So never let it rest till you're better than the best. See you all next week.